Good evening, you fantastic and glorious degenerates of this floating rock that we call Earth. Welcome to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian, and tonight we have on a very special guest that I've had on before, but absolutely brilliant, Carol Roth, uh, former Wall Street investment banker, author, regular on the Glenn Beck radio program, and uh, I believe now writer for The Blaze, an absolutely stellar resume that is just incredible. So we'll talk about the economy and how we're going with that, inflation, all of the things that matter to you personally next on the Cajun Libertarian Live with Carol Roth. Yes, 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 and welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian. Real quick, Joe Solosky, J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I-E, Sky, Joe Solosky, the key to Pennsylvania's success for governor. Please go check him out, follow his page, donate to his campaign. Joe Solosky. And the key to Joe Solosky's success is, yes, you know, Nicole Schultz. So go follow her. Looking forward to having them run in the midterms. Midterms, a freaking huge ordeal. So we'll have one with that. Also, this weekend, I will be at the Louisiana Libertarian Party Convention along with Whitney Bilyeu and others. So if you can make it to that. It will be fantastic. Other than that, let's get that crap out of the way and let's get Carol Roth on right now. Carol. Hey, buddy, what's up? How are you? <laughs> you know, living the dream just like everybody. How about you? <laughs> oh, my God. If that were the answer, I would, <laughs> I would be, ple- that would be pleasant for sure. Um, we, we're doing okay over here, other than the inflation. And everything that's going on with gas prices, obviously, we know that that's a complex issue. But how are things up there with you in Chicago? Um, you know, Chicago's an interesting place uh, for many, many reasons. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we all wanted Rahm Emanuel gone, and then we got Lori Lightfoot. So be careful what you right. wish for, people. Be very, very specific when you give those asks out. When you say, I want change, be very specific about what kind of change that you want. Uh, but huh. it's challenging. You know, there's a ton of crime here. We're finally seeing people get out of their houses and back to the office. I mean, as of a few weeks ago, I mean, it was completely dead. Um, and now traffic's starting to pick up again. So people finally figured out like, oh, I guess I don't get to stay home for the rest of my, lo- my life. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it, it's been a, a slow go, you know, a challenging economic situation, except for the fact that the state keeps using COVID relief money to, um, you know, pay its way out of debt and then going, oh, we're, we're managing the debt. It's fantastic. But um, other than that, you know, it's very Chicago-y. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think we talked about this before the last time I was on the show, but I lived in Chicago via the military and that it is absolutely one of my most favorite places to go. 
I was five minutes off the uh, the trail where I could get on a train for like five bucks being in the military. And bam, I'm right down there in Union Station. And then you're right down there in the uh, the downtown of Chicago, which is really magnificent. And so that it is that I don't know. That place has a very special heart. I have a very special place in my heart for that um, area. Other than that, let's. I, I, I want to dig into something that's going to be very specific and, and very personal to a lot of people. Let's start off with just basic inflation. There, I've heard some economists say that they're that we are going to have inflation baked into our economy at no less than 10% and at no less than 10 years. Is that something that we're looking at? Well, first of all, um, it's very difficult to say for a number of reasons. One is that the inflation figures that they put out, the calculations, uh, pretty much understate inflation. So if you look at something like the CPI, the way that they calculate rent, for example, um, or owner equivalent right. rent and things like that, it pretty much understates right. what's going on. Um, so, you know, that's one piece of it. So, so what is the number? And then in terms of what happens going forward, it obviously depends on a lot of the decisions that are made here, which, you know, we don't have a lot of confidence that good decisions right. are going to be made. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, the way that I'm looking at it, and again, it's kind of impossible to project a number, but as you know, I've been talking about forever and saying this inflation is coming and just yep. wait, just wait. So I think that it gets worse before it gets better because we don't have the impacts of what's been going on in Russia, Ukraine baked into the numbers yet. And there's still a lot to sort uh, sort out, which I'll talk to you about some structural issues in the economy with supply demand mismatches. Um, but, you know, kind of before we get to that, uh, you know, I think that when you get to the back half of the year, you get to early of 2023, you go up against very difficult comps. Um, you know, the, you're already sh showing a year that that had seven or eight or 10 percent year over year. So to think that you're going to get another 10 percent on top of that, maybe not. But here's the deal. Even if you get six or seven percent, that's going to be on top of what we've already had. You know, that is a permanent tax, a permanent increase that your wage is probably not keeping yeah. up with. Um, and I think that that is the bigger issue. So I think that inflation is going to run hot for some period of time, it's impossible to predict a decade. I mean, think about what right, happened a decade right. ago, but for, right. you know, for the foreseeable future, I think it, it's very realistic. And, um, you know, before I just vomit more words all over you and talk about the structural <laughs> issues, I'll let you, let you respond to that. <laughs> no, no, that that's absolutely excellent because I actually, it, it, I love the fact that you can't actually produce a number, a numerical value over the next X of amount of years of how we're wanting to deal with it or how we're having to deal with this, not wanting to deal with it. But I can tell you from personal experience that we, we've calculated our, let's just say groceries over the last six months has risen just, and I'm talking about from a, a normal household, somebody who we are a single income household, uh, make 40,000 to $50,000 a year. And and we're looking at milk, cheese, rice. The basic necessities have gone up somewhere around 
you can average between 20 and 30%. Easily. And so how, how in the world are we supposed to deal with this? If that's accurate, obviously we know that, that we can't assume that we're going to deal with this record amount of inflation for the next decade. But even if we don't, let's just say for the next, we deal with, we, we deal with this for the next year or two right. years. Right. How the hell are these middle income families are supposed to deal with this? And what can we do with this? Yeah, I mean, this is the price that we are all paying. And let me talk to you about why this happened and then some of the structural right. issues that are embedded. So, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of things. We've heard there was going to be no inflation. Oh, it was just going to be yeah. no big deal. It was going to be transitory. Right. Oh, I guess right. it's here. Oh, it's the cor greedy corporation's fault. It's Putin's fault. It's, I mean, you know, whatever it is, eat lentils. Like we've heard everything, right? right. This was entirely predictable. I mean, we put trillions of dollars into um, the markets from the Fed, you know, quote unquote, doing their money printing. We put trillions of dollars um, you know, into the economy, which, by the way, the Fed monetized, um, you know, via all of these uh, relief programs during COVID that were completely unnecessary and, and misstructured yep. at that. Yep. And then you had the government make these decisions that you know, decided they were going to shut off large swaths of the economy. And so you had the labor market disrupted. You know, people either dropped out, um, you know, had an early retirement, their assets were going up. You know, we weren't getting legal immigrants into the country. Uh, you know, all these kinds of things it disrupted the labor market and then also just disrupted the supply chain. And so all of these things together, I mean, it, it, there was there was pretty much, I mean, unless some other weird things happen, and obviously we can never count out weird things when it comes to government, like right. it, it, that was pretty much what was going to happen. Um, and, you know, the question was just going to be how bad, and this was obviously way before Russia or Ukraine started. Then you have, if you just take a look at structural issues um, that were exacerbated by this. One is the labor force. So as I mentioned, you had all these people right. dropping out. We now have 1.8 jobs available for every job seeker in this country. You know, it's going to take a really long time for that to kind of even itself out. And what's going to happen is to get more people back into the workforce, they're going to demand higher wages. And then if they demand higher wages, the businesses are not only going to have to pay their higher wage, but everybody else above them's higher wage, exactly. their vendors, higher wages, whatnot. They eventually have to pass that on to the consumer. Then the yep. labor wage earner goes, well, boy, everything's going up 20 to 30 percent. How can I pay for this? I need more money. And they say, OK. And, and the same thing happens over and over again. And in economics, that's called a wage price spiral. So this huge supply demand imbalance is a huge issue. Second issue that we have is a supply demand imbalance in the housing market. We are underbuilt by, depending on who you ask, four to five plus million homes. And this came out of the Great Recession financial crisis. Um, there was a lot of people whose properties were foreclosed on. You know, they felt the need not to build. Then as you, know, you were heading into the pandemic, you had increases and um, uh, raw materials and things like you know, all these kinds of things that add right. up. So, and then, oh, by the way, 
with everything that happened over the last couple of years and all of the free money, uh, you know, almost free money, very easy money and cheap debt that's available, you now have corporations that are keep competing with individuals and buying up these houses sometimes for cash offers or whatnot. So when you have this huge supply demand imbalance, that's going to be, you know, a huge drag on anyone who's looking to buy a house. And then the yeah. uh, downstream impact is rent. Right. So, you know, that yeah. we haven't even fully seen what's going to happen there. And then we have the commodity supply demand imbalance, um, which, you know, through ESG and the pushing of all of these mandates by quote unquote people who know better, um, you have a lot of commodities that have been underinvested in. So, even, you know, if you think mm -hmm. that decarbonization is going to happen to a fraction of the extent that they're trying to get it done, you know, what's one of the biggest commodities that goes into electricity? Right. It, it's copper. You know, who, where's the investment been in copper mines? I mean, like, this is just not going to happen. Then you add the Russia thing on, you know, which impacts right. food and whatnot. And you just have major, major structural issues that have this huge supply demand imbalance. No, um, I, my God, you're just speaking educational facts at this point, And you always do. This is something that I've been talking about for probably 60 days or at least since the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine invasion since it's become alert to everyone. And so I want you to correct me where I'm wrong here because you're absolutely speaking my language right now. I've been saying for about 60 to uh, 120 days or so that we have only begun to scratch the surface of the economic re repercussions from the stupid freaking things that we did over the last two years. Is, is that correct? Or are we past that? Please tell me I'm wrong because <laughs> I really think that we're in very deep trouble and, and we're sinking because of just of the last two years decisions. Please tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, how do you get those people back into the labor markets? I, I don't, you know, <laughs> that, that seems like a major issue. And also at this point, probably exacerbates a skills mismatch too. So even if you have the right number of people, it's not necessarily the right people for the right jobs. Um, and that's, you know, something that existed before COVID, but was made tremendously worse. And, and we don't have any policies that are you know, doing the kinds of things that are making it easier to hire, make, make, make it easier for people to you know, get back into the labor force in a way that's consistent with the way that they want to work. Um, certainly the stupidity around um, uh, energy resources is just, you know, it's a national security issue and it's an economic security issue. Now you've right. got, you know, the pudding brain that we have for a president out there saying, oh, we're going to we're going to release oil from the strategic reserves. OK, strategic <laughs> reserves are not meant for stupid policy decisions that you made and that your friends you know, pushed and basically you know, told financing sources, hey, don't invest in traditional energy because it's bad. Um, these right. geniuses didn't realize, even though, again, we, I've been talking about this on TV for like five or six years, right. that you're not going to stop the demand for energy. You're just going to shift it to other shady people in shady countries who, by the way, aren't going to do it as cleanly as we are. And now we're seeing this play out in real time. And so this imbecile is going to 
released from the strategic reserves, which is supposed to be meant for, you know, an emergency. But again, it's all a PR stunt because he's talking about 180 million barrels, like a million barrels at a time. Well, here right. in the U.S. Right. right now, we're using about 20 million barrels a day and worldwide they consume about 100 million barrels a day. So right. really, that doesn't help. And then, oh, by the way, how are you going to replenish that strategic reserve? You're just going to use our tax money and go buy it back at the higher prices. So this is all smoke and mirrors. So, yeah, I mean, and then we, again, we haven't even talked about sort of the, the impacts um, of, of energy kind of long tail on food supply, you know, the inability right. for farmers to get fertilizers or to use things like propane yeah. and drying grains. Um, you know, that's something that happens, you know, if, if you miss a cycle, like it's not like you can just be like, oh, well, that's okay. We'll just jump on it in two months. You know, that has right. a long tail to it. And right. when you get these idiots who come in with their policies and don't let the market do what it should be doing, this is what ends up happening. And by the way, I will tell you, like, if you go back historically and you look at famines, it's not usually because there isn't enough food. It's because central planners have intervened and you can't get the food to the people who need it. And so this is just like a perfect example of a bunch of idiots interfering in the market and us living with the results. And the most frustrating part is there are people who still will not get it. Yeah, you, you, uh, that is absolutely 100% the most freaking frustrating part is that they will still rely on whatever is spoon fed to them informationally wise from, uh, I refuse to call them mainstream media because they're not mainstream media. Corporate they're a press. dying breed. The corporate they are, press. They're the corporate press that they're a dying breed. And everybody has started, I don't want to say everybody, but the vast majority of people have caught on to the fact that they are a lie. They are, they're, that's a whole nother speech. Okay. But let's talk about but th this is something I'm very adamant about and something I've been studying on here very recently when it comes to farmers specifically and the fertilizer shortage, because we don't have to worry about it, how, uh, how high the food of rice or bread or beans or the things that are essential to living are when, if the farmers can't afford to freaking plant or do anything that they're supposed to do, including fertilize their plants, then we won't have food, period. And by the way, it won't, might not be us, you know, because we, we have lots of Doritos. So like, you know, we're right. not going to start. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's a real thing that's going to happen in Africa, you know, places like exactly. Egypt that get a bunch of their grain from uh, Russia and Ukraine. You know, then those people aren't going to have enough food. And you know what happens when people don't have food? It's not a good thing. You're going to get a ton of right. outward migration. You're going to get civil unrest. Um, and, you know, that right. can just spiral into old. And this is why we can't write with a, with a perfect crystal ball. We can't predict the outcomes. It's like a choose your own adventure book, which, by the way, all the all the choices kind of suck. But they're just different degrees of bad is, you know, if this continues to roll on, you know, we could be dealing with a huge humanitarian crisis where, you know, big places on Earth cannot get food. And, you know, there's massive unrest. And by the way, even though Russia, Ukraine started this, you know, it's going to come back to the U.S. because it's always right. the U.S. did something that then yep. allowed this to happen. And then more people yep. just hate Americans. Yep. And, and look at this venture. We may not be, that may not be a false accusation given the uh, current administration or the regime really is right, yes. probably more appropriate 
um, adjective. I like that. For, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't right? like it, but I think it's accurate. Let, let me put right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not the best adjective no, or no. Uh, label, but it is accurate. And, and look, and you know this. I'm sure you've heard the uh, the 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 speech from Joe Biden. He has literally come out and said on the global arena that we will have food shortages. And like you alluded to earlier, just a few minutes ago, uh, Russia supplies like an ungodly amount of wheat. And this is where we've all been so freaking asleep for so long. We don't understand the value of wheat. We don't understand the value of gold trade, significant intrinsic items, right? That Or items, I'm sorry, items that have intrinsic value. And now we're about to really see what the repercussions are and the consequences of how long we've been asleep in that we have literally very little power. I really want to say no power because I think no power, but at least very little power on how to reverse this course because it's all government controlled and out of our reach. Please tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's all relative. Um, and as you said, you've got this percentage of wheat that's coming out of this region. Um, as I mentioned, really great article um, that I shared, I think about it sometime in the last week um, from Doomberg, uh, fantastic, fantastic financial mind. Um, yeah, that, that talks about, you know, things like the propane shortages and how that affects the drying of, you know, grains and things like that. So just a, something that you would never kind of connect if this wasn't your domain, not realizing the implications of that. So um, certainly we're going to face shortages of things. I think that, again, given the overall prosperity of, you know, lots of people in this country and, you know, the <laughs> range of things that we can put in our body, you know, hopefully we, you know, we're not starving here. Um, but I think right. you're not going to find some of the things that you want and that you like for you know the first time potentially ever in your life. Right. And you're going to you know, see, as I said, these potential humanitarian crises and these other people suffering, um, you know, as a result of the stupid decisions that are made you know, here and other places around the globe that have this reverberation effect. So I think that's part of it. And by the way, exactly. the wonderful gentleman over at BlackRock. Which I'm sure you've talked about oh, before. Man, For those yeah, of yeah. you guys who don't know BlackRock, um, they have the, uh, I think they're the number one um, in terms of assets under management of asset managers. They have $10 trillion. They are US based, theoretically. Um, and, right. uh, and they <laughs> theoretically. have a whole lot of sway and have been pushing ESG and a whole bunch of other things. And yep. their president, the one that you don't hear about, you always hear about Larry Fink, their, their founder and CEO, but you never really hear about Rob Capito, who's their president. You know, he came out yep. and basically telegraphed this um, you know, in a speech over the last couple of days. Again, which which I highlighted on my Twitter, you know, and, and basically saying, I mean, first of all, it was it was such a an a hole move because he was like, oh, this entitled generation doesn't know what shortages are like, and the man yep. who's like directing all of these things to happen is, you know, and 
and you know complicit in my opinion um in some of this um you know is going to give a lecture to to people who are struggling and tell you oh you have to learn to suffer and sacrifice and whatever Uh, but he's basically telegraphing that so if it's being telegraphed from there uh, there's a really specific reason why it's being telegraphed and always follow the money and always follow the financial services industry you're going to see and hear things there first great example um if you saw what happened back in february and march of 2020 with covid uh first with the market falling off could have predicted that covid was worse than they were saying or at least they were going to play it as worse than they were saying and then the fed stepping in to basically backstop the market was the very first action that was taken there so Always yep. look to the financial services sector because, you know, yep. without the money, none of none of the world goes around. Yeah, which is amazing because that's something I'm coming to uh, find out very quickly over the last one year of I've been doing this. This is our uh, oh, congratulations, Carol. Yay, happy you are, anniversary. <laughs> you are part of the one year anniversary of the Cajun Libertarian podcast. Technically, tomorrow makes the uh, the one April second, so I guess it would be Saturday. Saturday, my first podcast. Anyway, I love the fact of what you just said because um, I actually saved this article from the blaze, which I'm guessing at this point you might have had a hand in. (laughs) But the president of the world's largest asset management company just issued a stark warning to members of America's Entitled Generations BlackRock co-founder and president Robert Capito said Tuesday that the global supply chain and soaring inflation crisis will soon have dramatic effects on the U.S. economy that will result in noticeable scarcity of goods not experienced by many younger Americans. That scarcity, he said, will likely be a shock to the system for many who are accustomed to an abundant and comfortable lifestyle. See, I teed you up for that perfectly. I didn't even know you had the article I was referencing, and now you can read the exact <laughs> wording. Um, and it is, it's it's insanity if you think about yep. it. You know, this this guy who's you know worth Lord knows how much, but certainly he ain't hurting. Like inflation's not impacting him quite as much nope. as the rest of us. Um, taking that tenor, but as I said, if you read between the lines, he's telegraphing this very, very clearly. So yep. you know, be be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah, and it, it look it it seems. <laughs> I don't I don't even know if seems is the right word. It looks very bad. I don't know how else to say it, Carol. And that's why I keep looking to you and I keep saying, please, please it's tell terrible. me I'm wrong. Please, Carol, right? please save us. Please, please. Hello, sir. May I have me. another? <laughs> 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 please tell me I'm freaking wrong. Because when you, like, like you alluded to or referenced to, when I'm reading the tea leaves, I don't see anything good economically. And I know this is your wheelhouse. Okay, so let, is- let me tell you what's good. Like, as I said, like this is all super fucking depressing. Sorry for my language, but right. it just right. is. Right. There's okay. no, there's no other word. Like, it, it really <laughs> is depressing. So let me tell you some of the things that are bad that are also good. <laughs> like, just to give us a little like feeling better about us. Which, by hard. the way, doesn't mean that you can like slack off here. I'm just like trying right. to keep right, everyone right, right. from jumping out the window. So you know, if you think about 
what might happen in a normal recession. And, you know, the recession was obviously when you have two um, consecutive quarters of slowing growth or is it two quarters or two months. I don't know. A couple periods of time of slowing growth. They, they, they let you know in, in uh, afterwards anyway. So they kind of you know tell, tell you from the, uh, the rear view mirror looking backwards. Go, oh, yeah, that was bad. Um, but basically, you know, one of the things that often happens during a recession is where you have all these people who are put out of work. And obviously that's a really bad situation. Well, the reality is, as I told you before, we have 1.8 jobs available for every right. job seeker out there. So I think that you know it's probably really bad for small businesses, as we've talked about before. It's bad um, you know, for people who don't have the, the strong capital base in the sense right. that you know they may not be able to hire additional workers, but they're probably not laying people off unless they're closing their businesses, which right. I'm sure some of that will happen, but I think we have enough cushion there. Um, from a housing standpoint, you know, I don't think we're in a position like 2007 or 2008 where people are very overextended and loans um, on grand scale. Certainly there's some of them, but, you know, on grand scale aren't be get, been given out. But like, oh, like, hey, I have a napkin. Can I get a house? Oh, sure. Yeah, no problem. We'll use that as collateral. You know, so I think that that gives us some strength and resiliency. Um and overall, our economy is big and there are lots right. of sectors that are, you know, chugging along and, you know, frankly, have some resiliency. We're still you know, the largest economy in the world. So, you know, th those are all things that are helpful, um, you know, that's going to backstop us against this dire situation in a slightly better way than perhaps is going to happen in Europe or potentially right. in some emerging markets or whatnot. But again, as we know, you know, once the world kind of goes sideways, it has a reverberation effect. So it, it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty picture. There's a, a very big have and have nots component, which by the way, has been completely manufactured by the government, the Fed, the, their corporate cronies, you know, kind of this elite group. Um, and so I think that there's, you know, if, if you're somebody who believes in inequality, I don't believe in inequality when it's earned inequality, but I sure believe right. in it when it's driven by the government and the Fed. And so when mm. you see that chasm between those who are doing well and those who aren't, I think that that's going to divide. And when you have these big periods of inequality, that can also lead to a lot of social unrest um, and obviously we have that kind of percolating from all the the sort of abuse that we've taken over the last couple of years. So, I, you know, that could end up taking it in, in, in an ugly situation and an ugly direction as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how it doesn't. Honestly, I don't see any way that there's a positive move forward <laughs> when it comes to social unrest. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that what we can have is. And in a period, and I know I've seen this, you've seen this, uh, a lot of people in our circles have seen this, is that there is a red pilling awakening uh, of people that are realizing what's actually going on and how much the consequences of what they're facing and looking at literally on their checkbook is via government control. But what? Okay, but here's the problem, and you know this because you're the Cajun libertarian, and people watching this are like, <laughs> we all know this. Like, both parties suck, 
So the yeah. challenge is the Republicans, the the people who are you know who who have the who have the uh, oh we're going to be fiscally responsible you know right. mantra never are you know, have a great opportunity to step in and say this is Correct. terrible we're going to be the party of the working person we're going to backstop you here's our grand plan and oh by the way we're going to stop doing all this stupid social stuff that is going to take somebody who has been red pilled right. and go yeah but they just passed a bill about blah 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 whatever it is which may or may not be about whatever it is but it doesn't matter they're like i just i just don't know if i can do it and that's the the, the place of idiocy that we're at now and it's i mean it's such a critical time like we we need bold moves to right the ship here yeah. um and yeah. i just don't have a lot of confidence that we're going to get the right people in place who are going to be willing to go full hgtv renovation and like tear the house <laughs> down to the nail and studs on the government here so you know this yeah. is, this is what's required yeah i mean look you're you're <laughs> you're absolutely speaking my language right now Spot on. And I'll, I'll reference uh, Glenn Beck for a second because he's been having Michael Malice on his program. You're on his love that, program. Love them both, week. by the way. Two, two just yeah. ama- amazing, amazing men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're on Glenn Beck's program every week now on his radio program with millions of listeners. Right, and right, Michael regularly, Malice. regularly. <laughs> well, I mean, I've... Just I about, God, just I, about, I, yeah. We don't, we don't have like I've a heard, standing date or anything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's weekly. So you're doing big things. I mean, you've got an audience of millions pretty much every week by now. Michael Malice as well, too. So, and you're actually speaking my language just because uh, at this point, what we really need people to realize is that government intervention in at every level is a net negative. And so, it, it, obviously, you. A lot of people are not going to land at anarchy, not the anarchy that people have been sold, not the destruction of buildings and the the chaos. That's not real anarchy. The anarchy of I want to plant my damn garden without your freaking permission, you clown. And I want to be able to raise a society, a community of people without your interference, that sort of. I mean, I just want someone to be able to buy and afford a house at this juncture, you know, like, and, (laughs) and I say this as a, as an, as an advocate, because, you know, this isn't, fortunately, I'm very, very fortunate. This is not impacting me in the same way that's impacting a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that I'm connecting with, and certainly any of the people that I'm advocating for. And it's not okay. Like I came from a family that built their way up to the American dream. And everybody right. should be able to have that opportunity. And the government is, is getting in the way. I mean, there was a study last year from the National Association of Home Builders that government regulations at all levels are adding $94,000. And by the way, this was last year, so it could be, be even more now. But $94,000 to the price of a new mm-hmm. home. Now, we can say there's probably some of that that's okay, right? Like, you know, you don't want you know the, the wiring to like blow up in your house or whatever it is. Right. But, you know, $94,000 worth, I mean, come on, that's insanity. It's- and then yeah, yeah. you've got the property taxes on top. There is not a single state in this entire nation where there is no property taxes. So this whole yeah. like illusion of ownership and you know owning assets to create wealth, 
you know, you, you kind of have to go, yeah, that doesn't seem correct. That doesn't seem correct. So yeah, I have lots of, I have lots of problems. I have lots of problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a, a major intellectual economist, I can imagine that you do. And, and it's a problem. <laughs> I'm totally not a major intellectual economist. I'm, I'm at, at best, like people keep calling me an economist, which is hilarious, even though I have an economics degree. But um, I, I'm like a oh. people's economist. So, like, people are like, it's like, do you subscribe to this? I'm like, I just subscribe to common sense. Like, I just know if you print trillions of dollars, like, I don't, I don't care what school it is. I just know what's going to happen in real life. And frankly, that's all these people give a shit about because most of this is theoretical and every damn economist and expert who was out there somehow missed all of these things that were going to happen. Oh, there's going to be inflation. Oh, turning off the economy is not going to disrupt the labor market, and the supply chain. Like, apparently it's not really great to be an economist. So I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> For everybody watching, let's not relate Carol to all of the other freaking moronic economists out there. Okay. But yes, you are a brilliant economist. There's a reason that you're where you are at all times, but that's a great point. Let me go back to that. Okay. So here's something that I've been preaching for a long time. I've been talking to a lot of people about because this infuriates me. Right. I, I am sick and tired of hearing people talk about how incompetent these administrators are. Get bent. No, I'm sorry. I, the White House, as ridiculous as they are and how bad we might hate them on all of the decisions that they make. They're not stupid. There are great economists in that White House making decisions right now, and they full well know exactly what they're doing. I'm sorry. Tell me, please, again, please, for the love of God, tell me I'm wrong. And they're just stupid because if they're not stupid, then they're doing this on purpose. And then we have a much more massive battle on our hands. So, okay, I, I'm going to go 50 50. I'll split the difference with you. I think there are a whole lot of people that are just complete imbeciles. I mean, look at Maxine Waters, who's the head oh of the God. Financial Services Committee, who didn't know that they had nationalized student debts and was asking the banks for relief. I mean, you have those people out there. And there's, by the way, I mean, the entire House of Representatives, absent a handful of people. It's like right. a clown show. So yeah, I do. I happen personally to think there are a lot of idiots out there. Then I happen to think there are a lot of useful idiots. So people who like may or may not know better, but it doesn't matter. They're just going to run with whatever the party line is because it benefits them. And we know exactly. that there's a whole lot of them. And then we have the people who I hate the most, who are people who are actually intelligent and say stupid things. Like Elizabeth Warren makes me really angry to no end because I actually think that Elizabeth Warren is probably really sharp. And that if yeah. she just wasn't such an utter, you know, narcissistic, sociopathic a-hole that like she probably would be pretty, you know, effective. Like, you know, she, she doesn't seem to me to be somebody who doesn't know better, but the things that she says, 
like over and over and over again. Right. I mean, like she, like if I was giving out the grifty awards for like the biggest grifter, I'm going to have to give it to her because, you know, from <laughs> her, the beginning of her life in pretend, like trading off her pretend heritage and going into the right. powwow chow right. cookbook and lifting somebody else's recipe and the whole thing. And, you know, she, she's like, wants you to cancel student debt, yet she's never brought up the colleges for selling, you know, educations that are more than they're worth although she do it right. to a company and oh she by the way she got you know four hundred thousand dollars for you know teaching a couple classes at harvard but that was okay i mean oh. like she she this woman literally knows better everything she says and so that's what makes me mad when you have these yeah. like if you just acted like a normal person like i probably would really like you but the fact that you're doing this on purpose just it, like i have utter disdain for that the dumb the dummies are just dummies yeah. and they're frustrating the people who know better really make me make me get bent here so and we we couldn't be on we could not be more on the same page with that because i'm okay with you being stupid that's fine i'm but not i'm not stupid. but it's more palatable <laughs> It's more palatable, okay? Yeah, let's put it that way. Like, more yeah, here's palatable. the thing. I'm okay with you being stupid as long as you don't start making decisions based on your stupidity that impact me. Like, well, they your, are, keep though. Your, keep your stupidity self-contained to yourself. That I'm fine. Once it starts coming into my space, we're going to have a problem with that. No, well, and it's entering our space and has been for quite some time. And, of course, yeah, there are a lot of stupid people in Congress and within not just Congress, this is really an overlaying problem of all municipalities and government uh, entities across the board in the country that, yes, there are stupid people making stupid decisions. And that probably now that I think about it, like live right here, right now, <laughs> that, that may be the more disease, you know, the more infectious disease amongst our you know, more local governments, municipalities and in, in governorship of each state and whatnot. But it, it's well, here, the, here's what I would tell you. And I, I've argued this about everything is that the intention doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if it comes from a good or a bad place because the outcome is the same. So the problem is the system. Fair. And so it, I, I don't really care if you have a good or a bad intention. Like if, if you're going to put it through the system, you're still going to get that garbage in, garbage out. And so that's all I care about. I only care about you. We, we could sit and debate intentions for the rest of our lives. Makes no difference. It's the outcome. The only way the outcome changes is by, as I said, tearing down the system, doing the HGTV re renovation to the government. That, that, I mean, hearing you say that right here, right now, that, that's freaking fair. That is absolutely fair and, and applicable upon all levels of government everywhere absolutely correct i do i, I will say this and, and we're going to get back to that point that you just made i will say that um it is more infuriating to me and i'm sure it is to you to the people that know better do they, they know economics they know how the system of government or governance is supposed to work within our constitution and just the freaking well-being of the of, of the world in general but let's go back to the smaller, more levels of governance that you're talking about here when it comes to incompetence versus um, just being nefarious. Evil. Yes. Nefarious. Just being nefarious. <laughs> right? Like, what do we, how do we, okay, let me, let me reward it like this. I'm sorry. You say we need an overhaul. 
I could not agree more. How does that happen peacefully? Because that's my issue. I, I know <laughs> how it can happen not peacefully, but we need to tear down the systems to the system to the studs, like you said. That's a fact. That has to happen. It has to happen because we're doomed if it doesn't. How how does that happen peacefully? Because there's a lot of people I'm talking to that are like, eh, well, let's just uh let's do the violent thing. Let's let's do the uh um uh, the the tree of liberty needs to be watered from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I'm like, hold up now. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. How can we tear the system down to the studs peacefully? Is that even possible? So again, like I'm a financial expert. I'm not a, you know, government revolutionary expert. Right. So there are probably people who are better versed in this. I've heard people say things. And again, I don't know if these are even possible. You know, things like a, a convention of the states or, you know, whatnot. I've heard that. Um, but I did it. I think that the main thing is, is, and and this is like this is hard for somebody who's in the sort of the center, the libertarian or libertarian-ish position to right, say right. because it's it's a, it's a, you, you want to just be left alone and you want nobody right. to be in the system. You want it to be small, but the reality is the only route that that happens is by first getting the right people in who are willing then to do the right things to take it down. I mean, there needs to be a massive coordinated effort. You need to get enough mm. people in there with the fortitude to really go, we're just going to do this whole thing. And I think people thought that Trump was that person and he wasn't. Um, and I don't think that some of the names that are being floated around as realistic possibilities, um, you know, whether they're, you know, in Congress or, you know, presidents or governors, like I, I just a lot of them, I just don't think are the I mean, you just need, you know, massive amount of people who all are like minded to say we need to start infiltrating these organizations and getting the, the crud out of there. We got we got to do it. And you got to be look. I'm going in for one term. I'm tearing the place down. You'll never see me again. Vote for me. You know what I mean? And all and all these other people, because I can't do it by myself. I need all these other people to do right. it. Um, and then you need the, the communication devices to let people know, like, hey, we're doing this. We're not taking this away from you because we want you to have less. What they're telling you is a giant lie and you're going to be paying it for one way or another. So just like, let us help you and, you know, try and explain it to people that way, because I don't think people have the appreciation. It's like, well, I'm getting X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, you're not really understanding the backstory about what you're Correct. getting and what you're not going to get and how much, you know, it's the same thing with these, like the stimulus checks, like how many people today, knowing that there it's going to cost them at least $3,600 more this year, or maybe more than that, are going to say, oh, well, my like a hundred, my thousand dollars in Biden bucks was worth the $3,600 I'm going to have to pay now right. and for the end of, you know, until the end of time, because that's never going away. It's just getting built on top of it. Like, I, I think if people really understood economics, had financial literacy, you know, there's still a couple of people who are like, well, I like getting the money, so I do it anyway. But most people go like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that. Like, I didn't realize that was the trade-off, even though so many of us were trying to go, this is the trade-off. This is the trade-off. Don't do it. Um, and so it needs those. 
we're now seeing it. We now have tangible lived experience to point to. Right. And hopefully that can turn more people's minds. If you can explain it to them that way, like, Oh, you know how you got this check, but now you're paying all this for it. Like, this is the same thing and we need to stop that. So yeah, you won't get the check, but we're going to like save you money in the long run. You in know, long those run. kinds of, you got to break it down for people. Um, and unfortunately, and you know, I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate all the places that have me on. But in a lot of these discourses and dialogues, they don't invite people with financial experience on. Like, have you ever seen on like right. The View? Has there ever been like a financial person no, on the not. View? It's Even though money, right? Because it, money makes the world go around. This all impacts you know your pocketbook and your quality of life and your economic freedom. But you know, all of these mainstream outlets never come at it with people who are actual experts. It's just people spitting out the stupid political talking points. And unfortunately, exactly. because we don't have an educated populace, um, you know, they make. I mean, think about all of the inner city Democrats that are still voting for Democrats. Like it's amazing. They, they, they complain about inequality and being held down by the system. It's like, you keep voting for the system. Like, let us help you. Come on. Well, oh, it's frustrating. That, no, it's extraordinarily <laughs> frustrating because I'm I'm of the viewpoint that what you're talking about exactly right now is in or unsolvable, I believe. And I'll tell you why, okay? The reason I say that is because I still think that people are going to believe in this inherent or intrinsic United States of America value that we can vote this problem away. <laughs> and I swear to God, I, I call me a, 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 a freaking nihilistic person, a pessimistic no, I think it's a. I, I think it's a realist. See. I think it's a realist. I think it's a realistic point of view. I don't. I don't see how we can vote this out. It's so deep, the veins and the tentacles of this intrusion in government control, in the brainwashing, and the absolute media just giving control has run so deep. I don't know how we can vote our way out of this. Now, I'm not asking you to solve this issue, right? Like, uh, you are an economic brilliant. So, so Carol, and, in five minutes, please tell us how we fix America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, Carol, tell us in uh, the next 47 <laughs> seconds how we can solve the world's economic issues when it doesn't involve voting. No, I would never do that because personally, I, well, for one, I would never put you in that position, obviously. But secondly, I don't think we can vote our way out of this. So there has to be a secondary option if we all wake <laughs> up to the idea that we are headed down a path that cannot be. And look, even if voting could be solved, or I'm sorry, if voting could solve this issue, it won't happen in November of 2020. So what the hell are you going to do about your damn gas prices and your food prices right now? So if voting isn't the issue, then we need to understand and start to look at self-reliance and things that we can do monetarily and physically to advance our family first and our local economy, our local community. I think people lose sight of this so badly of how important and how much value is placed on what you're doing with the people around you yeah it's interesting i was with um 
somebody I know that you uh, like and admire, a good friend of mine, Jesse Kelly, on his show last oh, night. Yeah. And he was talking about the fact that he and a bunch of his neighbors bought a steer. And they bought it so that they can, you know, together, you know, carve it up and, you know, kind of, you know, straight from the farm to them without the grocery store and middleman be able to right. stock up on beef because he's got two young boys that eat a lot um, and can't afford to go get things like ground beef, you know, at, at these kinds of prices. Exactly. So it's, you know, that kind of, like you said, coming together with your neighbors and you know, people in your community and looking at alternate ways of doing things and being a little bit more entrepreneurial about how you're um, spending yes. and maybe bartering for certain services yes. instead of paying cash, you know, those kinds of things are a great way, you know, just look at your budget and go through each of the line items, you know, what, what could we do as an alternate to this to save some money? And then if you are able, if you have any um, money left over, and I know for a lot of people, they won't, but for those who do, you know, putting that money into hard assets, because, you know, the, the cash value that the, the value of your dollar is just being eroded on a day day by day basis. And so you need some level of protection for that. Again, if you have any leftover after, um, you know, all these, these things that are happening. Right. I want to talk about the erosion of the dollar as we uh, wrap up here, because we have about 53 minutes. This it just goes so freaking fast because the conversation is so easy, right? But I want I want to talk about the erosion of the dollar or the actual the elimination of the dollar as we wrap it up. But can you explain to everyone what exactly you mean by hard assets? So hard assets are things that are physical, physical, tangible. It could be intellectual, but usually they're tangible that have the ability to appreciate and value. So things like a home, things like land, um, things like, you know, commodities and metals and actually the, the physical ones, if you can get the, your hands on something physical versus just a piece of paper trading in the market. Um, right. And also, you know, stocks because you're owning, you know, a piece of a, an actual company that's productive. So, you know, those kinds of things um, instead of just having your cash sitting in the bank, because, you know, whatever, if you have $200 in the bank, and you go to the grocery store, you know, in two months, you're not going to be able to buy as much as you did today. You need to be able to preserve and protect that money. So, okay. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. that's excellent. And which brings me to another great point that I've been trying to freaking, uh, like literally flesh out on, on every level. Okay. So obviously we, obviously we hear up oh, one second having an audio issue here can you hear me i can hear you okay sorry yeah <laughs> um there, there's something i've been struggling with very badly i'm i'm really really i really want to understand okay when i view value in commodity okay i look at things like tobacco food ammunition if 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 the proverbial ex excrement really hits the fan these are the things to me clean water uh, uh, ability to have a closed uh, place to live in in a fire those are the things to me that i see value in please explain to me and i'm like hopefully i hope to god that uh, I'm, I'm the only one that's ignorant about this like all of my audience is gonna be like dude you're a moron i already know all that stuff fine i don't care 
I'm trying to learn right now. If if all of if there's a global economic crash, what in the hell does precious do precious metals have for value? Yeah, again, so <laughs> you're talking about sort of we're talking about different things. So there's the like hedging right. of your portfolio for things going badly, but not like an epic shit hitting the fan scenario in a shit hits the fan scenario as you said that the number one thing that you need are guns and ammo you need to be able to protect yourself and your family and to the extent that you have anything else you need to protect that as well so the kinds of things in that scenario um also that are tradable and again your audience probably knows this better than me um but you know food and seeds um baby products you know everything from diapers to formulas medicines, um, you know, neosporin, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, stockpiles of whatever like medicine that you take on a regular basis, like months of that. And if you can get some that anybody else takes, um, you know, having those kinds of things, um, you know, sources of, of energy, you know, th- those are the kinds of things that people are trading and bartering to, you know, to stay right. alive. And at that point, like nobody gives a crap about precious metals, but after that period of time, when you're going to rebuild, you know, gold, silver, copper, these are all inputs that are used in things that you know, are going to be used to rebuild things. Um, gold that's has excellent. had the longest social contract of all times. So right. that's the, the, the stockpile that you keep post-apocalypse so that you're not starting from scratch and that you have you know some wealth that's put away in a format because at that point your dollars you know kaput to then be able to move forward but hopefully we don't get to that scenario and again i'm not here to tell you which scenario is going to happen i'm just telling you these are the things you pick which scenario you want to prep for prep for all of them and these are the different things you do in different scenarios no, that that that's amazing. Thank you, because that actually does answer my question. Okay, because I, I've been struggling. I've, I've been looking everywhere, and like, <laughs> why, why, why on earth, if we're looking at an economic global collapse, would I invest in gold and silver? Like, what are you gonna do? Who cares about building jewelry? When we're all just trying to freaking buy bread. Yeah, but what, okay, but so what, that, yes, but, but post that, like, assuming you can keep that safe, right. which again, your guns and ammo, your lead is going to be the first commodity, right? So you, right. you, assuming you can keep that safe at some point, you know, hopefully, you know, that period ends and you enter a period of rebuilding and all of those things are going to be used, um, you know, whether it's copper for electricity or it's, you know, aluminum and steel to rebuild all of those things. Like if you can have some, they're going to have some value in terms of being able to to trade or to get whatever monetary unit is now being used. And again, let's, let's hope we, we never get to that point. Yeah. Hope to, hope to God, but it, in the, you know, potential for that scenario, y'all, please be prepared. Uh, stock non-perishable foods, clean water. Go ahead. Yeah, but I was also going to say, but there's also kind of assuming the shit doesn't hit the fan, but we just lose dollar reserve currency status. You know, those mm. commodities also are valuable as a hedge against your portfolio. So there, so that's it. It kind of bookends that shit hits the fan scenario. Like it has a use there and there. So 
you know, it, it's it's something again. I wouldn't put all my money into it, and this is not right. financial advice. We're going to disclaim it, but it's something you might <laughs> want to consider as part of a well diversified portfolio. Talk to your financial advisor. <laughs> Beautifully, but yeah, like, <laughs> I've heard it said, a hedge against insanity. So yeah, yeah there's that, and um, I want. I'm not going to play the video, or I'm sorry, the audio that I desperately search for because we're already on an hour and it's late for you and, and we got to go. But uh, there, there have been some talks, I guess, from the, what I would say the World Economic Forum, the global government is what they're calling themselves, right? About how we're going to um, end the U.S. currency and have a digital currency. We talked about it off air and behind the scenes. Did you were you able to check into that about a digital currency? Well, first of all, so the the digital currency thing is actually being floated by our federal federal reserve. So this is not like some weird global conspiracy theory. They're actually asking, by the way, they're asking. They have an open public comment period on there now. So go Google it and tell them what a crappy idea is. Not that they're going to listen to you anyway, but it would be helpful to get more people, make them you know feel like there was some pressure. Um, So it is already being pushed. You know, this was some you know kind of weird. I don't even know world government forum. You know, I don't know that it's any sort of like official and, and the people like who are on the stage, one more I was kind of like, yeah, I'm not really sure about, but so the difference between a digital currency and a, let's say something on the blockchain, like a cryptocurrency is right. transparency. And let's just be honest, like exactly. any sovereign entity doesn't want any transparency. They want more yep. control. So they're trying to find ways to get more control always. And, you know, owning a digital currency where they can, just like they did to Russia, because they were being bad. If you are now being a bad citizen, they can now cut you off. Um, And, you know, we know we see China's doing it with, you know, social credit scores that they're putting in place and they've got their agenda. And so if you've eaten too much beef this month, um, they may just say, well, I'm sorry, we're just not going to like let you have funding for that. That was That's a bad citizen thing. It's literally will destroy anything that's related to freedom, including economic freedom. If we go to, um, you know, a U.S. You know, central bank digital currency, you know, that that potential for the bad event that we hope doesn't happen, I think greatly right. increases it's just a horrible thing so i i'm not as i'm not as concerned about a global currency i mean the eu can't even keep itself together i mean brexit you know happened britain left the eu i can't imagine where like our government really wants to be like oh like we're going to be tied to everybody else but you know again i never put anything past these stupid people so uh but it would be really difficult you know just from a a, a governance standpoint to you know to orchestrate i think that that's probably pretty right. unlikely to happen but it's very likely that it happens here in the us with a us one so beware of that correct yeah and, and so i probably should have played the audio what i'll do is um I won't do it Monday because I'm doing something else Monday, but I'll deal with the audio at a later date. But what, what Carol's talking about, y'all, and what, what we're talking about specifically is that there's a, um, a the World Government Summit, literally called the World Government Summit in Dubai, which is also 
like very close. You know, it, it literally Klaus Schwab was the initiator of this conference, who is the leader of the World Economic Forum, who is what Glenn Beck talks about, the Great Reset all the time. They, she literally And read his about, book about it. Read his book about it. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Great Reset, Glenn, Be Glenn Beck. Go check it out on Amazon or Kindle or uh, just about, almost just about anywhere you can buy your book. I have one sitting right over there, literally. I was uh, reading it earlier. And so it's amazing. These people literally are saying that they want to do away with the American currency and have a one world currency. And I will show you, show you in the audio of these people saying that they want to monitor every transaction in the within the economy. Every one of them. Can you, Carol, please tell us, is privacy... I heard of, I, let me, let me back. I know I'm jumping all over the place here. I'm sorry. I'm just, this <laughs> fires me the F up because I was once told when I just started into this and I'm, I'm very brand new at all this, Carol, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm maybe two years into all this. Uh, I'm just luckily lucky and blessed to be here. Uh, whatever. But I heard a friend tell me at one point that you can trace every single thing, every single issue back to economics. And as soon as he told me that, as Thomas Queter, um, it resonated. It, it struck a chord with me that we can trace all of our issues in one way or another back to economics. So if they can create a system of govern of economic governance, of monetary governance, that they can track every single transaction which they want and they openly say that they're going to do. Our privacy is lost. Our freedom is lost. I mean, it's 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 more than just privacy. It's 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 any aspect of freedom. You've given you've given up uh, everything. I mean, it, it is as it's the end of America if that happens. And I'm I'm not being hyperbolic about that. Right. Uh, it, it really, really, it, it cannot, we cannot allow them to have a central bank digital currency, which again, very different than a cryptocurrency. Um, exactly. So yes, this is, you'll owe nothing. Yeah, I mean, that this is the, the these great reset, uh, playbook. Yeah, you'll owe nothing and be happy, except you won't be happy. <laughs> That's the rub. No, you won't actually exactly. be happy. You'll be, you'll be really pissed off about it. Um, so it's it's not uh, you know, and we could take hours and hours to spend on you know this, the, right. the Federal Reserve <laughs> and central banks and digital currencies or whatnot. So we'll have to save that for the the next show. But I, I'm just begging yeah. everyone, look up central bank digital currency CBDC. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it. And it, this is the gateway to any freedom, any economic freedom that you still have will be lost by this. And it, it's the pure um, you know, kind of embodiment of centralization, which is kind of ironic because they're playing off the fact that you know, cryptocurrency is about decentralization, getting away from central banks. And so they're playing into people making the association between the two to embrace it. And there's going to be a lot of conflation of, oh, well, crypto and Bitcoin is so popular and this and that. Now you'll have one that's safe from the, you know, it's run by the government. Mm. Don't fall for it. Stand up. I mean, honestly, like at some point, you, you may, we may have to march about this because this is, I mean, this is bad stuff. I, I don't see, okay, 
Look, I'll, I'll, here's where I'm going to, I'm going to say it right now on air live. I'm going to disagree with Carol Roth. Um, I think we should march about it right now. I don't <laughs> think that we should wait. So we agree you're just that, moving up the timetable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no chance. We have no, if we wait one effing more Fair. year Fair. or month, Fair. we're screwed. We have no Fair. chance. If this happens, it, it oh my God, it's going to be the destruction Fair. of uh, <laughs> thank you, of all economics within yeah. our country in the illiteracy, or I'm sorry, I was going to say seriously, illiter- I'm so fired up right now. The illiteracy of our uh, populace within our own country of the, the words that you're speaking right now are the biggest, it's not that they're doing it, it's that we don't understand it or even know it's happening on a mass scale in this United States. We are in freaking trouble if we don't stand against this right now. Right. And this is, by the way, I'm just going to point out, this is why it's important to have different people with different competencies, because I'm really good at seeing things and explaining them. But obviously, I'm a terrible community organizer. So <laughs> follow the Cajun libertarian is the community <laughs> organizing piece and, and take action. So we will all play our role. But I agree. I mean, the time is to do this. I mean, the time to do this was like a couple of years ago. But right, now, right. do it now. Do it now. I'll, I'll spread, you know, you, you guys organize it. I'll explain it and, and spread the word. Well, that's what we'll do then. We'll get together organizing. March on the Federal Reserve. <laughs> abolish the Federal Reserve. Well, we can't exactly <laughs> abolish it because it's a private company. But it's not a private whatever. company. It's, it gets, no, it's it gets its authority from Congress. You get your Thank powers you. and your authority from Congress. I'm sorry. Like, and you you put you give your your profits back to the treasury like you're not a private company i'm sorry like not at stuff. all thank you for <laughs> saying that oh my god and by the so way weird. congress since it grants the powers could we don't need to abolish them we just need to put like some really serious guardrails around what they can and can't be doing so but that's mm. you know again that, that's we're, now we're counting that's on government to do the right thing so <laughs> That's a probably here's, a, here's the thing. I'll leave you with one thing before we, we wrap up. No, go ahead. The, the only reason why you don't want to abolish the Federal Reserve is then Congress is going to usurp those powers. It's oh, not God. about who, the the organization. It's about what they're doing. So the limit, the focus needs to be about what they're doing more than the organization, because the only thing that would be worse than having the Federal Reserve is having Congress vote and do the same kinds. I mean, imagine like, again, Maxine Waters, head of financial services, like, well, do you think we should raise interest rates in quarter of a point? I mean, like, come on. So yeah, it's putting the guardrails around what they can do and not letting them do the things that they have done and interfere and disrupt the markets. So by the way, lots of history, folks like Milton Friedman with, you know, great uh, solutions to, to rein that in. Oh, well, there you go. A pitch for Milton Freeman on how to rein in <laughs> some of these things. Um, unfortunately, I do think that some of those resolutions involve voting. And I'm just the person that thinks that I'm not sure that we can vote our way out of this. But Again, you're the you're the community m- organizer expert. That part of that right. I, I can I can only explain the problem. I, I can't solve it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I mean, you have amazing insight on resolution. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just <laughs> I was just say, 
no, no, no. Your, your insight is fantastic, glorious, absolutely appreciated on every level. I'm, I'm just always absolutely astounded at the, the brilliance that you bring, not just economically, right? But the presence that you have on screen, because there, there's a lot of brilliant economists that nobody can stand the hell of what they're saying because they're so effing boring. So everything that you're doing makes a positive impact on so many levels. I mean, you're speaking to millions of people every week on the Grown Bear program, right? And you're writing for the place. And that stuff matters because we need the reach. We need the impact, not just economically, but we need the impact within our hearts and the impression to inspire us to the to do the things that at least within our realm right now that we have to do that we can put our hands on within our community and say, look, this is what the expert Carol Roth is saying. And this is what we can do to move ourselves forward. This is not a long shot. We can do it right here in our community. Uh, I'm, I'm also of the uh, opinion that the federal government's lost. So do it in your municipality, go to your city council, go to your town meeting, go to your town hall, yeah. all that. So, but anyway, thank you, Carol. You are absolutely freaking amazing every single time. Please, please, please come back on and let's continue to talk about this. I am very upset that I waited four months or three months to even have you back on because, my God, we are, we are in a down spiral in every single person on this earth, especially within these United States that helps control and contribute to the economy of the entire globe. There are countries that depend on our economy just to survive. We need you. We need your voice. Thank you so much. I can't wait to have you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be back with you. Congratulations on your almost anniversary. And for everybody who's watching, um, please support this program. I mean, this is obviously it's an important discussion. You know, he's giving his time, um, his effort. <coughs> so support the things, you know, locally and, and online that you like. All right. Thank you so much, Carol. I cannot <laughs> wait to see you again. Hey, right, bye. Sorry, I'm get, getting, <laughs> getting, no, getting my dry yeah. throat at the end here. But yes, thank you guys yeah. so much. And we'll talk soon. Yeah, of course. No, no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent information. As always from Carol Roth, author of. Um, oh, shit. I'm going to lose my mind here. I've got the books right there. This, the, the world small business contributor to the blaze economist obviously very brilliant very amazing everything that she has to say is always absolutely applicable to our lives on a daily basis on a business to business interaction these are the kinds of things that we need these are the people that we must look to and in in promote them and platform them we have to do this because without it we are going to spiral out of control. We are going to continue to see people that fundamentally don't understand the very basics of economics. And look, I'm included. It wasn't that long ago, just a few years ago, less than a decade, where I didn't understand this stuff. We need her voice out there. Go buy her book, The, the War on Small Business, I will post it on all of my 
pages so that you can know Carol Roth, the world's small business. Follow her on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Look at everything that she's doing. And we have to get this message out here, y'all. We have to. This is so important. I, I really... Look, let me be honest for a second. This is my main concern, honestly. And this is why I push for this so hard. Is that I truly, truly believe that there's so many people that don't think that this kind of stuff is actually important. The finite details of what we're talking about is just not, quote unquote, that important. I want to focus on this or that or that or this. And I I cannot express to you how much I disagree with that. And that's coming from somebody who lived that for a long time. So please, let's get this message out here. I do think we have a chance. Right, in, It has to be right now. It has to be right now. In this immediate future. That we step up. And we demand change. In this country. Because we lead. You can hate America all you want. Doesn't change the facts. America leads economically. Period. And if that's the case, which it is, then we need to do that in our communities. First and foremost, we need to let people know that we have the answers and we can put a stop to this as soon as possible. And we need to follow people and listen to people like Carol Roth. Go buy her book. Go follow her. She's all over the place. She's a household name at this point. Thank you so much. I love you very, very much. I'll see you in Louisiana this weekend as I speak at the Libertarian Party Convention this weekend. And then I will have Carol on very, very soon again. As long as she agrees, right? She's way out of my league. Not sure why she's on my damn show. But I am loving every second of it. And I hope to God that we can continue this because our voice is very, very, very important. I love you. I will see you this weekend. Same Cajun channel. Don't know what time. A little different ending there. But you know what's up. I love you very much. And I will see you very soon. And I'm out.